Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply don't just ride the index seek to outperform it with fidelity active etfs learn more at fidelity.com active etfs before investing in any exchange traded fund you should consider its investment objectives risks charges and expenses contact fidelity for a prospectus and offering circular or if available a summary prospectus containing this information read it carefully while active etfs offer the potential to outperform an index these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive etfs fidelity brokerage services llc member nyse sipc Hi, it's your uncle's ex-wife who collects wind chimes, Allie Ward. So you, fine listener, are a bag of chaos. Just organs and tubes, fluids, benign lumps, squishy miracles. Let's get to know what's inside you. And me. And me. I've got all of that too. But first, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Ologies, and thanks for telling your friends and coworkers and your tax preparators about the show. So many new people listening lately. And it's all thanks to you guys for yakking about it. So thanks for supporting the show at patreon.com slash ologies, too. Um, this is a totally independent show that I just make, and you guys help make it happen. So patrons are the ones who submit questions to the ologists. You can get in on that action, you know, for a dollar a month. 25 cents an episode, or more if you want, but no pressure. It's your pocketbook. Also, I just posted a 29-minute video on Patreon of me answering your questions about how the show is made and secrets and what's wrong with my hair. So join. You can check that out if you want. You can also rep the show with shirts, etc. at ologiesmerch.com. Or you can support for a balance of zero dollars and zero cents just by tweeting or gramming. You can rate. You can review. You can subscribe on iTunes. It's a well Known fact, I am deeply creepy. I sit, I read all your reviews. I do. I'm like a tiny hairy vampire bat. I love them all. Like this one that I just selected to read. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to do some selections. Kazel Tex TX says, I am a podcast aficionado. Because of a relaxed policy at work, I'm able to listen to several hours of podcasts a week. And I listen to many. That's a lot of podcasts. That's cool. Amazing job, Allie. You put on an excellent product and should be very proud. The way you engage your guests is natural, funny, and contagious. I've been listening to podcasts since 2007. That's old school. And I have a lot of podcasts I really enjoy. This is the first podcast I have ever written a review for. The first one, CasLTX. Thank you for writing the review. I appreciate it. Okay, radiation. It comes from radiare, which is Latin, meaning to emit light after the radiation involved in x-ray technology. But since x-rays were developed so long ago, we've got other types of imaging. So radiology now essentially means, I'm going to paraphrase, medical technology that lets us gaze upon our disgusting, wonderful guts and bones and stuff. Now, this ologist I'd met before through my very good pal, Kara Santa Maria of the podcast Talk Nerdy. She's awesome. I was over at Kara's house while this guest was in town, and I kind of pulled Kara aside, and I was like, do you think she would be on my podcast? 
And Kara was like, dude, she listens to ologies already. She totally would. And it was like, when you find out that your crush likes you back, except platonically, and instead of going to the prom, she came over one evening and we sat on my couch to talk about lead smocks and foreign objects being stuck in people's bodies and me crying about brain imaging and DIY ultrasounds and very savage Ward family pranks and what kind of classic American hip hop is best to listen to when you're 13 hours deep in images of brains and guts and just casually saving lives on a Wednesday. So she is a doctor doing a radiology residency. She's planning on a fellowship in interventional radiology. You'll find out what that is in a minute and you will love her. Please lie back, stay still, or cuddle up under your heaviest blanket for radiologist Dr. Varshana Irasami. And all of your secrets. <laughs> That's not true. Okay, so now you live in Texas. Yes, I live in Houston. Are you from Texas? So I did. I grew up in Keller, which is a small town north of Fort Worth. Dr. Varshana Garasami went to Baylor College of Medicine in Houston for her undergrad, and then she got a master's in Texas. She went and did grad school and med school in Philadelphia, and then she headed back to Texas, back to Baylor. Were you excited to go back to Texas? Yes, I yeah. really wanted to come back to Texas. My my like parents live here. I just wanted to come back, and um, I want to do interventional radiology. And Baylor has a really strong reputation for that, so that's why I chose that program. But I'd always thought about coming back to Texas. At what point did you know you wanted to do radiology? So this is really interesting because I never wanted to do radiology. What? <laughs> <laughs> it sort of happened by accident. Um, so I went into medical school wanting to be a general surgeon. I was gung-ho general surgery. I did all the things for surgery. And um, I remember it was my very first clinical rotation as a third-year med student. I was on my pediatric rotation. And we get to do a one-week subspecialty, and I wanted to do it in surgery, in pediatric surgery. But the surgeon was out of town um, at this little hospital in Monmouth and um, in New Jersey. So they said, well, the surgeon's out of town. You have to do it in radiology. And I was like, oh, man, it's going to be so boring. I don't want to watch people read these CT scans and x-rays. It's going to be terrible. Um, so I sat down at this workstation, and there was a resident there, and he'd saved all these interesting cases. So rather than have me watch him read scans, he let, let me work through these on my own, which was really interesting. And I should say, like, watching someone read or do radiology is kind of boring. It's like okay. watching someone write a paper. So they're, they're going through the scan. You might not understand what they're doing. Um, so it, it can be boring. But when you're doing it on your own, it's like figuring out a puzzle. Like you're going through someone's body and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So that kind of hooked me. But I kept thinking about surgery. And then I noticed on every clinical rotation I did, um, like OBGYN, I really liked looking at the ultrasounds. And when I was on surgery, I love that rotation, but um, we'd always go down to the radiology reading room and ask the radiologists about the scans and, you know, in preparation for surgery. And I loved how the radiologists were such good teachers and they always took the time to go through everything. And I knew I wanted to teach. I really liked that aspect of their medicine. But um, I knew I wanted to do something with my hands. 
sorry, it's like a long explanation. No, I love this. <laughs> so someone told me maybe you should think about interventional radiology, which we're, where we use image guidance to do procedures. Ooh. So that would marry the two um, things. Like I liked working, looking at images and I wanted to work with my hands. So then I did a rotation in interventional radiology and I totally fell in love with it. Can you explain two things? What is radiology and what is interventional radiology? I know that you handed yeah. me a pamphlet <laughs> with an old white dude on the front, but I'm going to have you explain it instead. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in bed writing this episode. It's a Saturday. I'm not wearing pants. I haven't worn them all day. I wanted to describe the pamphlet that Dr. Garasami brought me, but it was in the other room, which was approximately 15 feet away. So I spent upwards of five minutes looking for a PDF of the same pamphlet online instead of just getting up. And finally, I just got up and got it. So it has an older white dude wearing scrubs on the front. There you go. All of that, just to tell you that. Okay. So radiology is um, the study of like images and making diagnoses based on images and then using that to do procedures. So not all... Um, so there's sort of a misconception that radiologists just sit in a reading room and look at their computers all day and they don't ever see patients or other doctors. Um, that's not true. Um, they all do some kind of procedure. So the, we look at four different types of imaging, mostly ultrasound, x-rays, CT scans and MRIs. Those are like the four main uh, imaging modalities. And um there's many different subsets of radiology. So people specialize in neuroradiology where they may read, you know, brain CTs and brain MRIs. They specialize in that or body imaging, which is everything from like the neck down to the pelvis. Is there a weird line in your neck where it stops being the head and it starts being the body? <laughs> no, there's definitely some overlap. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a little like, oh, I can't do that. That's below the clavicle. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what's the thyroid? The thyroid's like, what am I? Aside, so I guess your head is just your skull and face and jaw, and your neck is part of your body. But then the whole thing is really part of your body. But if you think about your body, like, where does your body really end, given, like, air and space and your microbiome? What is your body? Honestly, you know what? These thoughts are starting to spiral into things that a college sophomore staring a blacklight poster would say. So let's just move on. I mean, basically, we use images or real-time x-ray, ultrasound or CT to guide whatever procedure we're doing. So there's lots of different procedures. Um, like gallbladder removal and tumors and stuff? We don't do gallbladder removals because that would be surgery. But okay. we do put drains in gallbladders and patients that can't, um, aren't, you know, healthy enough to go through a surgery. So mm -hmm. we might divert their gallbladder and have that like drain outside. Um, it, but we do. Go? I'm so sorry. <laughs> into, a, into a bag. Does it really? Yeah. yeah. If they're obstructed and they need to like, you know, and they can't have their gallbladder removed, maybe they have gallstones, but they, you know, maybe it's like a really sick 85 year old and you know, she can't get surgery or something. We might put a tube or a cholecystostomy tube in her. Is it like tapping a Capri Sun? Kinda. I should think about it that way. <laughs> Can we make it more satisfying? Just a bile flavor Capri Sun. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> tap it, drain it, yeah. moving on. Let's backtrack. Take a closer look at those four main imaging modalities, or the dark wizardry that radiologists use to stare into solid objects, including your brain and butt. Can I make you tell me a run-through? 
the four different modalities, ultrasound, MRI, CT scan, and x-ray. I know that those are like just big breathing for you, but I only found out the difference between a, a CT scan and MRI like a year ago. That's like most radiologists, probably when they started <laughs> training. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I was like, which one uses x-rays? I thought radiology was only to do with x-rays, but MRIs and ultrasounds don't use actual x-rays, yeah, right? So, right? So what is, like, what's the difference? Oh, and also, CT scans used to be called CAT scans. Yeah. Right? Oh, people still call them CAT scans. Okay. What's the difference? Nothing. Okay. It's just like an easy way of saying CT scan. Okay. Side note, CT stands for computed tomography and cat c-a-t stands for computed axial tomography the axial it just refers to the way that the machine spins around you taking a bunch of x-rays as it goes so ct scan it's the up-to-date way of saying cat scan it's a new easier phrase with more syllables ct cat one's got two syllables anyway pay attention because this is radiology in a nutshell this is how it works I guess within all the different specialties, we probably use some variation, maybe use more CT or MRI in in certain specialties. But um, I mean, I can go through like how we generate those images. Yeah. So ultrasound basically is sending a sound wave and measuring the echoes back Um, and different tissues will send those sound waves back at different um, speeds. And then we use that to construct an image. Um, so that's like briefly ultrasound and then Mm -hmm. x-ray, you know, like x-ray is just like a form of, um, you know, like one part of the electromagnetic spectrum. We send x-rays from a source to a, through the tissue and then tissue, um, depending on how dense it is, will attenuate or stop the beams. And, uh, so like bone is very dense. It tends to stop a lot of the x-ray beam where something that's air filled, like the lung would let a lot of x-rays pass through it. Then those, um, all those x-rays are sent to a detector and then an image is generated from that. And CT scan is like an x-ray, but it's like a moving x-ray um, and it's two-dimensional. So that's how they reconstruct that image. Oh, so they a CT scan kind of revolves around you. Yeah, exactly. So it's like an x-ray that does loop-de-loops in a spiral around exactly. you. And then it creates kind of like almost like a 3D image of your inside yeah, like guts. A 2D image that we can go we can scroll through or step through, like looking through your feet up through your body. <gasps> and then MRIs are magnetic? Yeah, so an MRI, um, so most tissue, most tissue in our body is made up of water, mm-hmm. um, which and water has a lot of hydrogen atoms. So an MRI generates a magnetic field and we measure how the hydrogen atoms spin and what's their angle relative to this field and we use that to generate an image. So that's different from CT and X-ray in that it's not ionizing radiation. It's not, you know, causing radiation. It's just a magnet that's sending a pulse. Which is crazy to me. I had to learn what an MRI, the difference between a, a CT scan and an MRI for a shoot and I in was in the, I was in the hotel room the night before mm-hmm. and I remember being like, wait, wait, wait. All of your hydrogen atoms in your body line up? Yeah, we send a pulse to line them up and then we see how they like fall down or the you know speed or angles at which they fall down. How come you can be in the MRI tube? All of your hydrogen atoms are lining up like soldiers and it just is like doop de doop de doop. It's just <laughs> you feels, don't die. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand the <laughs> physics of that yet. That is something that I'm still learning in my training. So essentially, your body has tons of hydrogen atoms, like water, fat, 
lots of hydrogen. So we're made up of maybe 60% hydrogen. And hydrogen has an unpaired proton, which also has a magnetic spin. So when you have a strong magnetic field around you, like an MRI machine, these hydrogen atoms respond by lining up. So the machine throws out radio frequency pulses too, which causes the protons to spin again in the other direction, and that energy change can be detected by the imaging equipment to figure out how dense and what kind of tissue you've got going on. This whole process makes a sound like a foghorn and a car alarm. I had a love child that had a lot of opinions. Now that is very, very super, super nutshell and not textbook. Don't at me. That's just the basic, like, what the hell is happening of it in case you've ever been in the clangy tube getting peeped at by magnets. Have you ever had to get uh, medical imaging done for yourself? Yeah, I have. I've, um, I tore both of my ACL, so I've, that's probably why I used that as an example earlier. What? Yeah. Doing, what happened? Doing dumb stuff. Like, what kind of dumb stuff? Um, I played like intramural basketball in college and, um, I tore my right ACL then. And then I played flag football in med school for like five minutes <laughs> and tore an ACL. <laughs> I thought, People in college who played flag football were only in Zima commercials. Like they were only in like beer Damn, commercials. Zima. <laughs> you know, like of like a happy, amazing group of college people just being yeah. just having fun out on the field. Yeah. Had to hang up the cleats after that. Oh man. <laughs> so um I've had yeah, I've had those MRIs done and um the magnet's noisy. Mm-hmm. And even for someone who was I wasn't in radiology residency at the time. I was in medical school, but even someone who is medically literate i it was kind of scary and yeah. like it's weird it's noisy you don't know what's going on you're in there for like 45 minutes um but it gave me some perspective on what it's like to be a patient in that magnet and maybe getting like a head you know a brain mri how much scarier that would be when something's around your brain yeah have what kind of tools do you have to have in your pocket like psychologically to help patients cuz I mean, TMI, but I had to get a brain MRI last year and my mom has MS. So like I'm familiar with like brain imaging and Mm. it's kind of scary, but I had to go in because I thought maybe I had a brain tumor, just like a pituitary tumor. They're like, let's check it out. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go by myself. It's fine. And I got to the hospital and as soon as I checked in, I started sobbing. I totally, totally unexpected. I was just like, hey, what happened? <laughs> and then like the radiologist was like hugging me and like, oh, white, good. like wiped mascara off my face. She's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Because it's just like you're you're right in the threshold of knowledge you might not be prepared to take. Yeah, definitely. Like, how do you do you ever have do you ever see patients just fucking lose it? All the time. And I mean, I'm so glad to hear that a radiologist was, oh. uh, you know, able to comfort you before you know getting the scan done and everything i mean we can for people who are really anxious we can sedate them we can give people valium Mm -hmm. and help them relax but um i think just talking to someone and explaining um you know what's going to happen and how we're doing the how we're doing the the mri is really helpful and a lot of times um people will give you headphones to listen to they may they probably didn't do that because you were getting a brain mri but yeah with my knee i remember they did so it helps drown out the sound of the magnet and um in pediatrics 
um, sometimes they give kids these little um, glasses where they can watch a movie oh. to help distract them. Yeah. So we have those kinds of tools to help, you know, patients go through these scans. If you have some shit going on that's not good, particularly with like neuroimaging, mm-hmm. do you ever have to have a poker face where you're like, okay, see you later, Mrs. Wilson? And then you're like, oh, wow, she's screwed. Or do you like... The, because I think that's always what's so scary when you're when you're getting diagnostics done as a patient is how long till I find out. Right. And if it's something's wrong, will I find out now or will I just go about my business for two days? And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so typically when we're reading the scans, we're in a reading room that's like dark with these huge monitors and we're far away from the patient. So we don't always get to I mean we usually don't get to tell the patient like oh I saw this and I can tell you immediately we read it and we dictate a report and it's sent to the electronic medical record and then your primary physician may tell you but when we're in the ER we're reading emergent scans in the ER if we see something emergent we'll call the physician immediately and they'll tell the patient but when we're in that diagnostic reading room we don't get to communicate that to the patient. Right, because there's so many protocol steps that I'm sure it has to go through. Yeah, and there's just so many studies. Like, we're just crushing studies. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can't pop up like a gopher and be like, hey, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go to Disneyland tomorrow, man. (laughs) Seriously. Live it up. Do you have friends that text you pictures of the inside of their guts and be like, hey, have a look at this? All the time. Really? All the time. And not just like the inside of their guts, but like rashes and stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) man, I'm not a dermatologist. Or uh, like, you know, just my family member has this like weird, you know, she's getting nauseated every time she eats chips. I'm like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) that's not my job. Like, Do you ever see someone like, um, out and about like in line at the grocery store or like on a plane or something and you're like oh i can definitely tell that they have like a certain condition that they may or may not know about yes really yeah um like you know sometimes i'll see people that are like really like short of breath and they have like really edematous legs p.s edematous means casually kind of squishy because of retained water so next time you feel bloated just say my 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 (laughs) i am an edematous fox today. Also, that's not really a joking matter because please take care of yourself for real. I'm like, they probably have congestive heart failure or something, you know, just like stuff that we saw a lot of in in medicine. Would you ever tell someone? No. No. I don't think I could. Yeah, that's not really legal, huh? Yeah. It's, someone's like... It's probably crossing some line. Someone's like, I'm just here to watch the boat show. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Just let me live my life. So what else does Dr. Garasami working as an interventional radiologist do? So um, I'm so excited about like the neurointerventional radiology that we do. It's awesome. Um, We do a lot of spine injections like I was talking about, but we do endovascular work, which means we work in the blood vessels, which is a lot of what interventional radiology is. So um, I can just give you an example of a really interesting case. We had um, a lady that came in, she was about 60 something, Um, came in with acute left-sided arm and leg weakness and, like, left-sided facial droop. Mm. So she's probably having a stroke. A stroke, yeah. So she comes into the ER. She gets a head CT. Like, that's what we would do um, right off the bat. So they ordered a CT scan where they injected contrast to look at the blood vessels to see if there's a clot causing her stroke. 
and one of the diagnostic radiologists saw something that looked a little funky. I was on call that night, and I called um, my attending, the neurointerventional radiology attending, and um, we brought this patient into the IR interventional radiology suite. We went in through an incision in her groin, which is what we do for a lot of interventional procedures. So back in the day when you did surgery, you would open the patient totally up. But interventional radiology is going through vessels, making a small incision, and using x-ray guidance to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. So we go in through her right femoral artery. We're going up to her aorta, up to her internal carotids, and looking at the vessels in her brain by injecting contrast and taking real-time x-ray, like I was talking about before. Contrast is going into a certain location, and then it's just not going past that. So we're thinking that's the area of the thrombus, and that's what's causing her left-sided weakness. Wow. The blocker's on the right side, and it's causing the left-sided weakness. Right. So we put another catheter up through the vessel all the way up there, and... It's kind of attached to a little vacuum. Whoa. And you sucked the clot out. And right after the procedure, we asked her to like move her left arm and leg and she could. Whoa. It was so cool. That was like one of those moments where I was like, this is why I'm a doctor. Oh, my God. It was so badass. It's that's like the most heroic version of unclogging a drain ever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're like, got it. Now, where are you while all this is going on? Are you six feet away? Are you across the room? Are you operating a robot? Like, how are you imaging while operating? We're right there. So, um, you know, we're standing right by her groin um, where we're. We're using that access to manipulate wires and catheters up to her brain. Oh, my God. Um, and there's an x-ray, and that's, like, over her head. Wow. Her head or neck. So it does seem like surgery as well as radiology. Like, how is it not, in terms of the nomenclature, how is, how is it not radiological surgery as well? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's not surgery because we aren't cutting the patients open and we're just making a small incision. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I like to think of it as image-guided, minimally invasive procedures. Okay. Because when this woman came out of her procedure, she just had a little Band-Aid on her groin, like a one-centimeter incision. And we were like, we were just up in your brain sucking (gasps) clot out. That's nuts. Yeah. I just feel like if the guy that like trims your gums is an oral surgeon, like what you do is surgery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're up in there through the brain, just like boop doop When you were a kid, were you ever fascinated with like x-ray glasses or invisibility cloaks or anything sci-fi like that? No, I don't think I was. That's so interesting. I was really into blocks and building. Huh. And my mom said that they never brought me barbies because i was never interested (laughs) and uh, people would come to visit and like i got like one or two as a child growing up and i took their heads and like legs (laughs) off and she was like all right like jeffrey dahmer like no more barbies for you If it makes you feel any better, we had Barbies, and once my sister and I read about Joan of Arc, and we're so inspired that we cut off our Barbie's hair and burned her at the stake in the yard. I remember my mom came out to be like, Rice Roni's, what are you doing? We're like, she's Barbie of Arc. That's awesome. We took a Ken head and put it on a snake's body once, put it in the freezer. I don't know. (laughs) The 80s were a weird time. They were a weird time. But do you feel a little bit like a detective like do you like puzzles and mysteries yes that was like what i what really attracted me to radiology is i loved the puzzle every scan every x-ray is a puzzle and you just do that all day i thought it was so fun it's also mentally exhausting really um 
Yeah, like I leave every day feeling like I just took like the boards or an oh. exam because it's so tiring, <laughs> but it's so fun. Um, it, it's just never boring. So. And do you do a lot of it real time while the patient is kind of in the bay um, getting the scan or do you get it and, and then spend two hours looking at everything slice by slice? It depends. So if it's something not urgent, like an outpatient, you know, shoulder or hip MRI, we may mm-hmm. do that um, you know, later it may take a couple of hours for things that are emergent. Like someone comes in uh, a motorcycle crash and mm. they get a head to toe CT. We're reading that very quickly within minutes. Um, so the patient will come in, they'll get scanned in the ER scanner and the trauma team will walk in as the CT is being done. Oh, wow. And so they'll expect you to go through it real time with them very quickly. And that's kind of where you grow up in radiology. Um, I, I remember doing that rotation as a first year resident and I was like, oh no, I don't want to look <laughs> stupid in front of the whole trauma team. For uh, real. It's And it's like time's a ticking. Yeah, exactly. Time's ticking and um, what you say is important for their operative plan. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll go through the scan quickly and just point out the big stuff. Liver lacerations, broken bones, things like that. Um, where we think bleeding may be coming from. So, Have you, based on your work in imaging, decided like that you're never going to ride a motorcycle? Yeah. Okay. I'm never riding a motorcycle. Like, that's crazy. These people come in with the worst pelvic fractures. Oh. We're always like, why do people keep doing this? Oh, it's like I, I would not sit on the top of a car. Yeah. <laughs> why would I just why it's like driving a car but without the car. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's quick. It's the fuel economy's top of the line. But yeah. I just I had a boyfriend that rode a motorcycle and I was like every time I'd be like, "Well, if you die, goodbye now." Like it's yeah. so dangerous. They <sighs> get just gnarly pelvic fractures. We had one guy who we were um doing an embolization on for his pelvic bleeding and he also had a very like severe degloving injury of his <laughs> thigh which if you don't know what degloving is it's like kind of what it sounds like but it's like your skin and your muscles oh, being like you no. know just peeled off oh that's going to be no for me yeah so do you have a strong stomach cuz if you went into if you were willing to go into surgery like i can't i can barely salt raw chicken without <laughs> like breaking down and crying like how do you, what kind of stomach or what kind of resolve do you have to have to, in order to put someone who might be hamburger meat yeah. on a slab? Yeah, I think a lot of us have really strong stomachs. I think a lot of surgeons do. Um, and there's only one thing that grosses me out, and it's a sound of, like, spit in your mouth. So, like, when someone's, like, intubated and they make that, like, spit noise, I'm like, Ugh. That's the only thing? <laughs> That's the thing? only thing. <laughs> You Capri Sun a gallbladder, but like saliva grosses you out. Saliva grosses me out. Like I can deal with poop and pee and blood, just like blood everywhere. And I can't handle spit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Rashawn is like, bye bye. (laughs) I'm out. Oh my God. Um, Oh, I had another question. I'm going to have to cut this out because I can't remember. Oh yeah. So I had a boyfriend. He was telling me the story before I met him. He got into a car accident. Okay. Rear-ended, and he had to go in. He was messed up. Like, he lost a tooth. His neck and back were all messed up, right? So he went in. He had to get an MRI. I think it was an MRI, not a CAT scan, whatever. And he was in bad shape. 
but he got he found out how much it was going to cost without insurance and he oh, yeah. went outside and threw up just from the just from stress mm-hmm. why i think it was like thirteen thousand dollars or something why is imaging so 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 expensive the machines are very expensive they cost like millions of dollars and the time um that we use the machines is very valuable. So that's why. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know why like an MRI costs like $5,000 or $10,000. Like, I don't know how it gets assigned that number. I think it seems worth it just to purchase your own MRI <laughs> just in case you need it. Let's talk about ultrasound goop. Okay. The hell is that stuff? The gel? Yes. The gel helps create an interface between the ultrasound transducer and your body because air doesn't let sound travel very well through it. Oh. So we use the gel to help the sound waves like go to the body and like come back. What is the gel? I don't know what it's made out of. <laughs> I should look that up. <laughs> it's just ultrasound gel. It's made out of elf tears. You always see that in TV shows where like this like big this blue goop. Yeah, this big farty goop of like like on a pregnant oh, belly. Yeah. And it's always cold. Always freezing. <laughs> I've gotten an ultrasound of my thyroid before, and they're, and they're like, you're like, yeah. goop it up. What is the goop? What is the goop? So she emailed me later to say, quote, I asked like four radiologists what this was made of, and no one knew. So I felt better about myself. So then I went, I did a little more digging. Your buddy, your pops AW here. I found out that ultrasound gel is polyacrylamide. And it's made up of glycerin and propylene glycol, a bunch of stuff. But I stumbled on this one forum where someone was asking what to use if you run out of it. And folks were like chiming in that aloe vera gel or lotion works for their home Doppler machines. And then I was like, what? Some people have ultrasound machines at home? I don't even have a dishwasher. Anyway, I guess to check in with fetuses and like get a jump on parenting. So Tom Cruise apparently was doing ultrasounds on Katie Holmes and baby Siri Cruise. And the American College of Radiology did not like it. One Yale doctor threw the following shade. Quote, if Mr. Cruise and Ms. Holmes want their child to be a film star, they should wait until it is born. I hope that Yale doctor also does skin grafts because that was a sick burn. Oh, I have a question. You know those airport x-ray machines? Oh, yeah. They're always like, don't worry, it doesn't do anything to you. And I'm like, you're wa- you're looking inside of my body to see if I'm smuggling any like drugs or mm-hmm. weaponry. How much radiation do those airport scanning machines have? That is such a good question. Yes. I love this question about radiation <laughs> dose. So the background radiation that you're exposed to just by living and doing your daily activities is about three millisieverts and a sievert is like an SI unit that um, we use to say like if one sievert um, is like equal to a 5.5% chance of getting cancer. Okay. So now we're talking about millisieverts. So three millisieverts is just your background exposure to radiation. Just like walking around doing what you do. Quick aside, what exactly is radiation And where does it come from? So it's defined as the emission of energy as electromagnetic waves or as high energy particles that cause ionization. What is ionization? I looked this up and I'm reading it verbatim. It's when an atom or a molecule 
acquires a negative or positive charge by gaining or losing electrons to form ions. So do what you will with that information. It's none of my business. So there is background radiation we experience every day just from space and the sun and uranium in the soil, etc. But in the case of airport scanners, it's said that there are about 0.02 microsieverts per scan. That's what they thought. But then it turns out the technicians... We're just measuring them wrong. But the good news is, it might only be a tenth of what they thought it was. They took ten measurements, and a lot of them forgot to divide by ten. Okay, guys. But I also went and looked at scans to see what the people at the airport are looking at, and they can totally see your junk and boobs and stuff. See all of it. Anyway, speaking of boobs. And um, something like a mammogram would be like 0.4 millisieverts. So like the equivalent to like six or seven weeks of just daily radiation, which is nothing. I know like people always worry about getting exposed to radiation when they get a chest x-ray or a CT scan. But when you think about what you're exposed to daily, Mm -hmm. it's not that much. And we're talking about millisieverts and one sievert would be a 5.5% chance of getting cancer. What if I travel a bunch? Yeah. And I'm going through those things all the time and on airplanes all the time. Yeah, so I like a cross-country flight in an airplane is like 0.03 millisieverts or something like that. That's okay. like the background radiation that you would get. So all this radiation, I mean, you have to get exposed to a certain amount of radiation before you would, you know, maybe get something. Um, Start to cook your own body. <laughs> right. What happens when you're exposed to radiation? Like, what's the risk here? Is it changing your gene expression? What's going on? So ionizing radiation um, or like UV radiation causes breaks in the DNA. Um, And your body has ways, your cells have ways of repairing that DNA, but sometimes it doesn't. The DNA just gets wonky and it's it's replicated in this like wonky state. Okay. And that's how you get cancer. So that's how radiation would cause cancer. Okay. But you would have to get, you know, exposed to a significant amount um, for that to happen. Okay. Good to know. That puts me at ease a little bit. Good. And the other thing is about the airport scans is you can always opt out and then you get like a free. Oh, yeah. You get the full. You get the massage. Yeah. Someone. And if you've been traveling and you're a little lonely and then someone just comes and caresses your back looking for weapons. (laughs) I didn't refuse the scanner. They just were like, you're getting the pat down. And I was like, all right, whatever. I saw a guy get a pat down the other day and he just willingly dropped his pants and they were like, Whoa. sir, sir, you can keep them on. And he was Whoa. he was so like indignant that he was getting patted down. He was like, have a look. Look at everything. And they're like, sir, please. please. I like how they do the back of the hand like it's less invasive when they're like rubbing your vagina. <laughs> they're like, like, OK, they're like, I can sense less, but just enough. I feel slightly less violated, I guess. If you listen to the gynecology episode, right now you're thinking about vulva taxonomy, and I'm proud of you for that, kiddo. On a first or second date, I only let someone touch me with the back of their hands. Don't be giving me that front hand. (laughs) No no front hands till marriage. Okay, I have questions from listeners. Okay. Are you ready for rapid fire? Oh my goodness. You can take as long as you want to answer these. I call it rapid fire, but I never hold anyone. Okay, good. But before we take 
questions from you, our beloved listeners. We're going to take a quick break for sponsors of the show. Sponsors, why sponsors? You know what they do? They help us give money to different charities every week. So if you want to know where Ologies gives our money, you can go to alleyward.com and look for the tab Ologies Gives Back. There's like 150 different charities that we've given to already with more every single week. So if you need a place to go donate a little bit of money, but you're not sure where to go, those are all picked by ologists who work in those fields. And this ad break allows us to give a ton of money to them. So thanks for listening and thanks sponsors. KiwiCo. You know I love KiwiCo because making stuff and learning while you do it, the best way. And KiwiCo is great. They deliver seriously fun learning for kids of all ages. They have these hands-on projects and activities and each month kids receive crates that are engaging and that introduce them to things like science and technology or concepts and art. And I love that all the things you need are in there so you're not going to be running out to the store to get pipe cleaners. You're not going to run out of glue or something. And KiwiCo tests these crates with professionals and with kids to make make them the best they can be. There's so many different projects depending on what your kiddo's interested in, what age or grade level they're at. You can discover the science of magic. You can engineer a domino machine. These make great gifts. I have given these to so many kids. And I also like that there's no commitment so you can pause or cancel crates anytime. So redefine learning with play. You can explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at kiwico.com with a promo code ologies. So that's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com promo code ologies. They're going to love it. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. They offer free plant consultation forever. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, your landscape design, and they curate thousands of plants. They got climates, they got locations. I am stoked about this because I've wanted a fig tree for so long and I'm like, I don't know where to get the fig tree. I'm not quite sure where to plant it in the yard. And I went to the Fast Growing Trees website and I was like, boom, I'm in zone 10. This fig tree would work well for me. Done. And right now they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code ologies at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code ologies at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code ologies. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, so a little fun fact about how we make the show. So right before it gets published, I do like the third pass on the edit in case I want to tweak anything before it goes out. And I always do laundry during that time because I need to listen to the show as if I were a listener who's doing something else while you enjoy facts about capybara butts. And I would like to thank EarthBreeze for making that whole situation more pleasant. So EarthBreeze has these eco sheets that we use that I love. They're not a liquid or a powder. They're not a capsule. They look like a dryer sheet, but it's this ultra concentrated laundry detergent. So I don't have to spill a bunch of soap all over my hands and pants, which happens every time I have that giant heavy laundry jug. There's no measuring. There's no mess. There's no wasteful plastic jug, which makes me feel good about myself. And we all need that. It works on everyday stains and odors 
odors, and it's just one more step to making laundry day easier. So go wash your clothes, but make it easier with EarthBreeze. And right now, Ologies listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. So go to earthbreeze.com slash ologies. That's earthbreeze.com slash ologies for 40% off your subscription. I use it while I edit this. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Okay, your questions. Um, Gary Jungling wants to know, are radiologists always afraid of becoming sterile or getting cancer? That is like right to, that is is a good question. Good question. So being exposed to radiation is, um, a occupational risk, especially in a, in a field like interventional radiology, where you are exposed to more radiation than a diagnostic radiologist. Why is that? Because you're using real-time x-ray, like I was saying, and um, so you're standing next to the machine that's producing the x-rays. Okay. So we wear lead suits. Ooh. So we wear like a lead thyroid collar. Whoa. A lead vest and like a lead skirt. <gasps> and that helps reduce some of the radiation. We wear leaded glasses. Wow. So we all lead it up. What about lead poisoning? I wasn't sure if I was just being paranoid, so I looked into it, and last year, the American College of Radiology published a paper that minced no words. This was the title, quote, Lead aprons are a lead exposure hazard. Dang, okay. So they collected 172 lead garments worn by radiologists, and they took down the age and the appearance of the aprons, not the radiologists. Anyway, 63% had detectable lead dust on the surface. And the shittier the apron looked, the more lead dust was typically found. Now, interestingly, garments kept on hangers had fewer positive lead tests. So maybe you need new lead garments. I found a site that has a whole catalog and it was very fetching. Different patterns, different colors, skirts, thyroid collars, and even things called gonad shields, which resemble like large eye patches. So keep your radiation garments looking fresh and unhazardous. You can replace old ones or hang them up in a fashion that would make even Mommy Dearest proud. I buy you beautiful dresses and you treat them like they were some dish rag. But no matter how you hang them, those lead blankets, they're heckin' comfy, right? Whenever they put the lead blanket on me at the dentist, I'm like, this rules. Never take this off. Oh, it's so, like, heavy. I know. Like, they sell those anxiety blankets when you're like, oh, yeah, I could just go to the dentist and hang out there all day. I find the lead very comforting, too, because it just, like, you know, isn't it's just fitted to you. But when you're in these procedures for really long and you're wearing a sterile gown, mask and gloves and everything over it, you can sweat a lot. (laughs) So you might get stinky, but not sterile. Yeah. So do radiologists worry about that or do you feel pretty well protected? I feel pretty well protected, but we wear radiation badges that measure how much radiation we're exposed to. Um, So you'll get a warning if you've, you know, been exposed to too much radiation and we can reduce the amount of radiation we're exposed to, not just by wearing the lead, but by also imaging smaller parts of the body. So you take a lot of precautions? We do. Okay, good. Um, Megan C., 
Great question, Megan. Weirdest thing they have seen inside someone? Um, Man, this is such a good question. <laughs> we actually... <laughs> People like to talk about the things that patients put in their butts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the weirdest thing I've not seen anything super weird. Someone had a rolled one of those like old school rolling deodorant things. A roll on? Yeah, like a wet, like a band roll on. Yeah, use it for butt stuff now. Whoa, that's a butt stuff. Yeah, but I mean, people. I heard about someone who put a beer bottle in there, like mm. a Corona. <laughs> Man, you can Amazon Prime anything you need these days pretty (laughs) anonymously. So after this interview, the doc and I exchanged a series of text messages from radiology textbooks. And I honestly, I don't know where to start. I will say, PSA, if you would like to experiment with pleasures involving forbidden orifices, hit up Amazon Prime, free shipping, get yourself something rubber. I was treated to photographs that looked like a gauzy human body was being haunted by the ghosts of a beer bottle. Or, as one text message from another radiologist said, quote, beer bottles are child's play. This is a 1979 Left Bank Bordeaux, which is a wine bottle. You know what I mean? So the most common improvised rectal foreign body, as medicine politely demurs, seem to be containers that once held alcohol. What are the chances? Gatorade bottles, two liters of Mr. Pib, they just don't seem to incite insertion experiments quite in the same fashion. But still, one x-ray image entry on a radiology site, and yes, I googled some, one was called Radiopedia, reported that aerosol cans are a relatively common improvised rectal foreign body. And in this one just stunning illustration of x-ray versus CT scan imagery, oh my god, I was sent a photo from one super famous case that involved a synthetic human fist. This is a forearm up to the elbow that had just simply gotten away from someone, just slipped up out of reach there. And in the x-ray, it's blurry and faint. It takes a minute to like see it and get your bearings, kind of like a faded superimposition. But by comparison, on the CT scan, it's like watching a 3D IMAX documentary about fisting. I will put it on the Patreon page for the truly curious, but no matter what, the lesson here is just don't opt for items that shatter, okay? Corona long necks are like, don't look at me, man. I know, right? (laughs) That's not what I'm here for. Exactly. I have to deliver beer to your mouth. (laughs) Um, Have you ever seen anyone swallow anything weird? Like car keys or... Yeah. um, We did x-rays on a patient that swallowed razor blades. She swallowed like parts of a spoon. So So first intervention is getting those things out, right? Yeah. Um, Especially like something like a razor that's going to you know, me getting things on its way down. Uh, do you have to go in and do like laparoscopic surgery? Where does that go? How do you ele- how do you escalate that case? So, I mean, for us, we would read the x-ray and we'd be able to tell the surgeons where it was or maybe the GI physician who would go down and scope it and try to fish it out. Mm. Um, <gasps> that seems... What do you do? Put a magnet on a string? I don't know. Yeah, so don't swallow stuff, guys. Nice. Jordan S. says, really dumb question. Why do certain types of ultrasounds feel so uncomfortable, particularly abdominal and pelvic ones? 
Because sometimes we have to push down really hard to get a better picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might feel a lot of pressure when someone's pushing on your stomach or like on your kidneys. And the other thing is, is if you're ultrasounding something, chances are there's something funky going on down there. So maybe or, it's... Yeah, there's something that brought you there. Also, like ultrasounding your bladder is like uncomfortable because yeah. it makes you feel like you have to pee. That's true. <laughs> so. Has anyone ever peed on a table? Not with me, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, We also ask, when we do pelvic ultrasounds, we ask patients to have a full bladder Mm. and we may give them fluids or have them drink a lot of water because like it was like we're talking about air is not um, a really good uh, medium for like allowing sound waves to pass. So fluid in the bladder like gives us a good window. (gasps) So that's like another trick or whatever. But it's really uncomfortable when we're looking at your uterus and we're pressing on this full bladder. I've had a lot of patients who are like, I really need to pee, I need to pee, I need to pee, I need to pee. And I'm like, just hold on, please. <laughs> You're like, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. It's working out just as it's I want working. it to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jennifer Buzz asks, do you ever harness the radiation in your workplace for your own purposes? For example, leaving your pet tarantula next to it and then coaxing it to bite you, making rocks glow, <laughs> etc. Um, also, do you ever wear the lead shield just for fun or for exercise? Man, I should wear that lead shield for exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, like go on like a little run with it. Up and down the stairs in the hospital. Yeah, that would be nice. No, I've never done that. And I mean, I don't think we use enough radiation to do anything like really exciting. To become a superhero or anything? No. no. I guess it's the- kind of illegal. Probably. Harumph. Well, Jennifer Buzz, if she does do that, then she, she didn't get the idea from you. <laughs> Bob wants to know what kind of fun, cool things have you scanned after hours? Ooh, I don't do that. We're not like allowed to. Would they know? Would they be like, wait a second, this MRI has been used 12 times today, not 11. Oh, yeah. <gasps> they would definitely know. To do that, we'd have to like, you know, put it under a patient. That would be medical fraud. So uh, we- yeah. It's not like using the microwave. Yeah. So I haven't done that. Okay. Sorry. That's not interesting you've also never been to jail and that is true <laughs> um jack keller wants to know uh why are we still using such old technology isn't there something more modern that's less dangerous that is a little bit of shade thrown at x-rays Dang. i know we're just debating here yeah i like it i mean they've been around forever that's true x-rays have but i'm I mean, they're still good. Um, You know, it's a little bit of radiation. Just getting a chest x-ray gives us a lot of information about a patient. um, And we can use that as like a screening tool to get more advanced imaging, like a CT or an MRI, or decide if the patient needs a procedure. So, yeah, these things have been around forever, but they work and they're safe. What do you think about the history of x-rays where didn't Edison try one on like an intern and ended up killing him? Like he tried it like a million times. Have you heard that story? No, I haven't. I probably should have. But no. I know about like Renkin who like invented the x-ray and like the first x-rays of his wife's hand and you can see her ring. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Was it cute? Well, William Rockin, the German man whose name I probably just mispronounced, in 1895 discovered and named x-rays after x because it was an unknown ray for radiation, made the first medical x-rays of his wife's hand. And it looks kind of like a fuzzy x-ray. You can see she's wearing a ring in it. And upon seeing it, she said, I have seen my death. But I don't know. Germans are so goth. Now, as for Edison history with radiology, Clarence Madison Daly was an employee of Thomas Edison. And after many, 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 many experiments with x-rays, he developed carcinoma on his hands. 
and then arms, and despite amputations, died. Thomas Edison was quoted in 1905 as saying, quote, don't talk to me about x-rays. I'm afraid of them. So he was like, I don't fuck with x-rays. Of course, this was early on while we were still like riding donkeys to work and indoor plumbing wasn't really a thing and we didn't know a bunch of stuff. Anyway, moving on. April wants to know, is being big boned really a thing? Oh, hmm. Yeah, I guess some people have like bigger or more dense bones. I mean, you could find this out if you've got a DEXA or a bone scan. Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas like you're just big boned, you're not fat. I don't know about that. <laughs> like the subcutaneous tissue doesn't lie. Like if there's a lot of tissue there, then it's not your bones. I guess. Could you say I'm just ample with subcutaneous tissue? Yes. I have an abundance of subcutaneous tissue. And that's why my bathing suit doesn't fit. You're welcome. Um, which I'm in that. I mean, both That's of us. That's why my pants split this week. <laughs> That's why my pants split this week. <laughs> Hashtag diet starts on Monday. <laughs> both of us, I feel like, are speaking from a place of ripped pants. So, like, we are yes. not throwing shade. We get it. For the sake of transparency, I'm just going to come out with it. Um, the week that we recorded this, both myself and Dr. Garasami separately, totally randomly, had wardrobe malfunctions involving uh, trouser ripping. So she, as she got into an Uber in nice slacks, and myself, as I foolishly tried on jeans that I had not worn in some time. Trousers, zero points. Subcutaneous tissue in the lead with two points. Greg wants to know, where are we with 3D printing and AI integration as tools for radiology today? Like, how much improvement in medical imaging technology are, can we expect within the next couple of years? Oh, I'm so glad he asked this, because we okay. were talking about AI, artificial intelligence, at um, this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use some computer-aided detection or some form of um, artificial intelligence now, like especially in mammography. We use something called CAD or computer aided detection to help us find lesions in breasts, um, like masses that we may not see, just like little tiny things. And um, that's just a tool that the radiologist has to make sure they're being very thorough um, and looking at everything. And we've that's probably what we started with. And now we're expanding that to looking at things in chest X-rays and CTs. Um, But what this talk that I went to um, today was from these uh, radiologists in Stanford were talking about was that um, they won't replace radiologists necessarily. We still, you know, it may notice that something's wrong, but um, you have to use the context. Like you have to know the medicine and understand what that, um, the meaning of that finding is. So these are all just tools, but Mm -hmm. they are definitely changing the way that we read scans. Is it kind of like you can be a writer and, um, and spell check helps, but that doesn't make you right. a writer. <laughs> it's a tool, but not you exactly. can't rely on. Yeah, something like that. And I think those algorithms for um, recognizing, you know, findings and imaging are just getting better and better. Do you have to consent to have your images put in that database? I, I think so. Okay. I think they must. Yeah. I think that's nice, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it can help your someone else. Contribution. Yeah, yeah, you know, put your put your guts in the library. In the, <laughs> gut, in the gut berry. Carolyn Steele wants to know, I had a hip arthrogram last year and found out afterwards about Chuck Norris's wife and the gadolinium toxicity thing. Is this madness or should I be concerned? 
I want you to know, by the way, I, Ali Ward, don't know what most of those words meant. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Gadolonium toxicity and a hip arthrogram. I do know what Chuck Norris is, but address that. <laughs> so gadolinium is the type of contrast that we use in um, MRI. So we didn't talk about this earlier when we talked about imaging, but we use contrast um, to help opacify or make the blood vessels more dense or the tissues that are being fed by blood vessels may look brighter on a scan. So there, there are people that, um, you know, may not respond well to gadolinium. It's processed by your kidneys and eliminated by the body through your kidneys. So if you have kidneys that aren't functioning well, um, that puts you at a greater risk. And some people can get um, toxicity from gadolinium, even though that they, they didn't have um, problems with their kidneys. So this is just a, you know, like a very rare risk. Chuck Norris and his wife, Gina, are suing, get this, I just looked it up, for $10 million. Also, then I went down a rabbit hole about Chuck Norris trivia. Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, which he has. Tooth veneers, which he also has. Mustache memes. But then I hit some stuff about political affiliations and it stopped being fun. Anyway, as long as we're on a downbeat, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago. And this next question comes from a patron and an ologite and an internet friend of many years who I just found out passed away suddenly today. So I'm so sad to hear it. I know he loved when I read his name and his questions. He loved the show. He was an awesome friend to the pod. So please raise a glass and send some good cosmic vibes to his wife, Chris. Brian Edge wants to know, are people too worried about the side effects from imaging? No, they're not too worried. I think that people just don't know. And I didn't really understand, um, you know, I couldn't really quantify what was, you know, how much radiation I was being exposed to from an x-ray versus how much I was being exposed to just by living my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really valid question. And I like when patients ask that and we can explain it to them. And I feel like we can dispel some of the like fear and myths behind getting, you know, imaging done. So, okay, so that's a valid question. It's a valid question. Um, Hillary Mazer wants to know, how do radiologists learn to read images that just look like fuzzy blobs to the uninitiated? Man, it's really hard. Yeah. So <laughs> You're like, that's why I'm a doctor. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you kind of have some idea in medical school because you, you get exposed to some imaging. You look at a little bit of ultrasound and CT and MRI through medical school. Um, so you, you have some framework and you know where the organs are relative to each other. So you, you have a little bit of an approach. So people tend to develop a search pattern. Maybe they start looking at the lungs and then the heart and then the bones or whatever um, on a CT scan. So we, you know, try to approach things methodically and systematically and, you know, ask for help, look at resources. But it, it takes a long time. There's a lot of anatomy. We're doing all the anatomy in the entire body mm. and in weird, like, three-dimensional like rotated ways so it's complicated i imagine it must be like if you don't know a language well it would be really hard to discern regional dialects but if you have spoken it for years you would be able to say like oh are you from philadelphia or you know what i mean yeah like, little things the more familiar you are or something it must get easier to pick out abnormalities i'm or so glad you used that analogy <laughs> as language because this is what i felt like it was when I was a first year radi radiology resident. I was like, I don't know the language. I don't mm -hmm. know what you guys are talking about. Like millisieverts, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and the physics of radiology is very complicated. Um, 
So I feel like now I speak the language Mm -hmm. and I can understand what people are talking about. Paulo Hanley wants to know, uh, you know, if you're behind the scenes when a patient is getting a scan, do you have any stories of like good news where you where you saw something where you're like whoosh all clear like are there any of those like feel good moments all the time like oh, that's we, cool. we get you know scans for people where they're you know have like vague abdominal pain you're like oh no like what's this gonna be yeah. it could be anything and we're just happy when it's like not something terrible i would just like to take a moment to impart a family story so my older sister janelle used to get migraines and one day i went to visit her in detroit and i asked her how her head was feeling she got really serious and she told me she's glad i asked um she's been to the doctor and they discovered a growth and she waited until i had tears on my actual face also it was my birthday to clarify that this was her way of announcing that i'd be getting a niece or nephew the growth was a baby her head was fine. She just is a rascal, and I'm still shaken. It was a great prank and a great joke, but it was my birthday. I was crying, but my nephew's super cool, so all is forgiven. Now, what if you were growing shards of a skeleton that's not a baby? It is exciting when you see something unique mm-hmm. um, that's like a learning opportunity but usually something that's like fun and interesting for a radiologist is probably not good for the patient yeah. so we try to like you know understand that or like remind ourselves of that you're like you have a teratoma yeah. and they're like fuck you <laughs> have, exactly have you ever seen a teratoma yes I have they're so cool they have like teeth and hair inside of them they're awesome what do they look like I mean I've seen pictures if you really want to say cut down on your snacking well all you have to do is google image search teratomas and or you will not be hungry sound of someone's secretions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what was the first time you saw a teratoma like? Just to catch you up, a teratoma is a random ball of bones or teeth or hair or tissue. It's like a ball of hair that just grows inside some people for decades for no reason. They aren't even tax deductions and no one gives you their seat on the bus if you're growing one. So we it was like an ultrasound of uh, it was a pelvic ultrasound and oh so it was like on the ovary yeah it was what are those called a den a, some kind of cyst. A dermoid dermoid yeah so we saw a little bit of calcium and we saw this kind of like wavy pattern that was like the keratin or hair mm. and we're like ooh we're gonna get an MRI of this oh god and then yeah we could yeah it was pretty neat do those people get to keep the teratomas if they want. No. Oh, you mean when they're removed? Yeah. No. They, we send them to pathology because the pathologists have to slice up the tissue and make sure there was like no underlying cancer or anything. Okay. So you never get to... I know people ask to keep weird things. They ask to keep everything. I mean, if I grew teeth in my butt, I'd be like, let me keep it, dude. <laughs> I worked 17 years on that. I know. <laughs> I got an extra set. It was set. my twin. <laughs> Seriously. Like, they're so gross. They come from the word for monster. Oh, they do? Yeah, teratoma. It does sound really terrible. Yeah, it comes from... You're like, I grew a monster in my body. Anyway. Awesome. Mike Melchior wants to know, is it true that x-rays are actually visible to the naked eye? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Jennifer Overby wants to know, are dental x-rays worse because radiation is shooting directly to your head? (laughs) My mom told me this at some point now. Every time I go to the dentist, I'm sure that it's taking years off my life. (laughs) 
No, they're a really low dose. Krista Avampato wants to know, I know there are so many mixed opinions about mammograms and ultrasounds for women. What's the right age to start them? And if someone has a risk factor like family history, should they start them earlier? So are there any new innovations in the works that might replace mammograms? And Krista, I'm going to guess that you had an uncomfortable mammogram. <laughs> yes. I've never had one myself. Have you ever had a mammogram? I haven't. No, they just squish your squish your boob. I mean, I've seen them. They look really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so we typically start them at age 40 unless they've had, um, you know, some risk factor. If they have like first degree relatives that have breast cancer, we may start them 10 years before. Okay. But people with like women who are 35 or younger and have very dense breasts may not, they usually don't get mammograms. They'll get breast ultrasounds because your breast tissue is so dense. Do you think they're going to have different modalities for imaging that doesn't involve like making a fruit roll up out of your boob? It does. Feel, it does. I do feel like they squish it into like fruit leather. <laughs> the reason that they do that is so they can spread out all the tissue and it's like less dense. Mm -hmm. So um, it helps us like scan through it and see things better. Dr. Kurosami says that in higher risk patients, like those who might have the BRCA gene mutation, a contrast enhanced breast MRI can detect breast cancer has a sensitivity of up to 90% with the MRI versus 38% for mammography or ultrasounds. So 90% versus 38%. Pretty good. Way to go, contrast enhanced breast MRI. Tuck those stats in your breast pocket like a kerchief. In all of this, though, with any of the discomforts, you're like, it's better to be uncomfortable for 15 minutes mm -hmm. than to be not alive. Yeah, that's... I use that um, kind of uh, message a lot. The shit I've been through for one to two months of having a hair-free face. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> What's one thing about your job that sucks? Or about radiology that frustrates you? Um, let me think. I mean, it's tiring. Like, I, we, so we sit a lot when, when I'm not doing interventional radiology stuff, when I'm not doing procedures and I'm doing the diagnostic part, I'm sitting a lot and I'm just like tired of sitting for like 14 <laughs> hours and it's so busy. And I think sometimes people think there's a misconception that we just sit in that room all day and we don't talk to patients or we don't do procedures. And that's not true. But um, I think because we're like sitting in the room is like dark and we like can listen to music that we're not working hard, mm -hmm. but it's hard. <laughs> what kind of jams do you pump? Oh, all kinds of jams. Like on nights we were like old school bone thugs. Really? <laughs> While you're diagnosing like all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. That's fantastic <laughs> actually bone thugs is like kind of appropriate considering that it's you like kind of quiet and like oh yeah bone thugs <laughs> like I get you're it. looking at bones this is true never thought about that so a little fun fact until radiology was developed scientists had no idea that the busy bone was connected to the wishbone and the wishbone was connected to the lazy bone the lazy bone was connected to the crazy bone and the crazy bone was connected to the flesh and bone so this aside is only going to matter to you if you're familiar with the Bone Thugs and Harmony roster. Uh, what is your favorite thing about what you do or the most rewarding aspect or something that's just super, really piques your curiosity? I love that um, radiology is like so technological and it's so um, 
it's always changing like with the artificial intelligence and with interventional radiology we're always coming up with new techniques to like get in the brain or get to where we're going and I just love that it's always changing and I like the puzzle of reading the scan and I love working with my hands. It's just for me it's it hits everything. So after the interview, Dr. Garasami, aka Varshana, emailed me some links and at the very end she said, quote, We talked about my least favorite part of my job, which was when people thinking I was just chillaxing, listening to bone thugs rather than mainlining CTs, MRIs, etc. But I think what goes hand in hand with that is that radiologists really have an image problem. She goes on to say, I realize the irony in saying this given we are imagers. Reading someone's scan allows you to know, see them in a way they may never be able to see themselves. It's weird and beautiful and so damn interesting to see your innards the way we do. Have you ever gotten anything back from patients where they were really kind of surprisingly grateful for what you do? Does anyone ever bring you donuts or anything? No, but one of my co-residents got a bunch of socks. (laughs) What? They weren't like compression socks, which would have actually been really helpful because we're standing, but they were just like nice wool socks. Oh. And it was really sweet because it is cold in the angio oh. suite where we do our procedures. That's really sweet. Yeah. So thank you, radiologist. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, some radiologists are the first line between like you and a box of Kleenex. Like I, I will never forget going in for that MRI and just that's nice crying and having someone be like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Like That's so good to hear. It's almost like dealing with like shelter dogs or something where oh. you're like, they're going to be shivering and kind of scared. And breast radiologists deal with this a lot because, you know, like with for women, I, I think sometimes we feel like our breasts are just ticking time bombs and mm. you know you have to go in and get that mammogram. Like you have to go get your colonoscopy or whatever. And when you you know, may need another study or an ultrasound. The radiologist is right there with you and they're explaining things to you. And I think that part of radiology that, you know, real direct patient care is really helpful. Yeah. Meaningful. I mean, it's crazy that you are a conduit to so much knowledge about someone's body. Like, it's kind of cool. You're like an interpreter between like me and my body. You're like, okay, let me let you know what's going on. Like, that's pretty cool. All of your insides. I know. Look at my guts. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting me ask you so many questions. You're welcome. I hope I was helpful. Next time I get any kind of body scan, I'm just going to send it to you for sure. (laughs) Don't send me a rash. So save the rashes for your dermatology friends, people. Now, for links from this week's episode, head to alliward.com slash ologies. Or for super sensitive pictures, you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash ologies. That means you get to ask ologists questions and also see photos in this case that are too delicate for Instagram. Uh, Dr. Varshana Garasami is on Instagram and Twitter, but uh, much like the things that you have wedged in your rectum, her accounts are private. I myself am very publicly at Allie Ward with one L on Twitter and Insta and Ologies is at Ologies on both. Now to wrap the podcast to start some conversations about it and also cover your nude body, you can head to ologiesmerch.com for shirts and sweatshirts and pins and dad hats. The proceeds help support the show. They let me pay my amazing merch folks, Shannon Feltis and Bonnie Dutch, um, as well as editor Prince... In the kingdom of podcasts, 
Stephen Ray Morris. Um, thank you, Aaron Talbert and Hannah Lippo for being admins in the online science party that is the Ologies Facebook group. Uh, the music for Ologies was composed by Nick Thorburn. And please do not forget to ask smart people dumb questions. Just do it. They're so fun. And learning stuff and making connections is why we're all here on the planet. And while you're at it, while you're asking smart people dumb questions, tell someone today that they are great and you're glad that you know them. Okay, now for my secret at the end of the show. I went to like pluck a hair off of my body and I just didn't grasp it right and instead I curled it and it was really upsetting. I just curled it like gift wrap ribbon and I was like, come on. Sometimes it happens. Okay, bye-bye. Pachydermatology, homeology, cryptozoology. Lithology, nanotechnology, meteorology, olfactology, mapology, seriology, salinology. Goop it up! In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.